other than the commercial airline. Oh, that second one wasn't open. No, the second one, definitely. The first one I never saw. The second one I saw was big. But it didn't have any markings on it that I saw. No, I didn't see any. No, no emblems, no logos. I mean, it, it was moving so unbelievably fast. The last thing I saw before the second attack was the silver underside of the plane before it went into the building. The plane, the plane wasn't no uh, airline or anything. It was a twin-engine, big gray plane. Mark, were you close enough to be able to see any markings on, on the airplane? Um, it definitely did not look like a commercial plane. I didn't see any windows on the side. No, it was a black plane. It looked like a fighter jet. It, it looked like a fighter jet. Donald, you're probably the best-known builder. Uh, the damage and, and the ultimate destruction of the buildings was caused by the airplanes, by architectural defect, or possibly by bombs or, or aftershocks. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, it was an architectural defect. You know, the World Trade Center was always known as a very, very strong building. Don't forget, that took a big bomb in the basement. Now, the basement is the most vulnerable place because that's your foundation, and it withstood that. And I got to see that area about three or four days after it took place because one of my structural engineers actually took me for a tour because he did the building and i said i can't believe it the building was standing solid and half of the columns were blown out i mean so this was an unbelievably powerful building uh if you know anything about structure it was one of the first buildings that was built from the outside the steel the reason the world trade center had such narrow windows is that in between all the windows you had the steel on the outside so you had the steel on the outside of the building that's why when I first looked, and you had big, heavy I-beams, when I first looked at it, I couldn't believe it because there was a hole in the steel. And this is steel that was, you remember the, the width of the windows in the World Trade Center, folks? I think, you, you know, if you were ever up there, they were quite narrow. And in between was this heavy steel. I said, how could a plane, even a plane, even a 767 or 747 or whatever it might have been, how could it possibly go through the steel? I happen to think that they had not only a plane, but they had bombs that exploded almost simultaneously, because I just can't imagine anything being able to go through that wall. Most buildings are built with the steelers on the inside around the elevator shaft. This one was built from the outside, which is the strongest structure you can have, and it was almost just like a, uh, like a can of soup. You know, Donald, we were looking at pictures all morning long of that plane coming into uh, building number two, and when you see that uh, approach the the far side and then all of a sudden within a matter of a millisecond the explosion pops out the other side right i just think that there was a plane with more than just fuel i think obviously there were very big planes they were going very rapidly because i was also watching where the plane seemed to be not only going fast it seemed to be coming down into the building so it was getting the speed from going downhill so to speak uh, it just seemed to me that to do that kind of destruction is even more than a big plane because you're talking about taking out steel, the heaviest caliber steel that was used on a building. I mean, these buildings were rock. We're seeing the back. Um, the cockpit's not answering. Somebody's stabbed in business class. And um, I think there's mates that we can't breathe. I, I don't know. I think we're getting hijacked. Which flight are you on? Flight 12. And what seat are you in? Ma'am, are you there? What 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 seat are you in? Ma'am, what seat are you in? We're up, we just left Boston, we're up in the air. I know. We're supposed what? to go to LA and the cockpit's not answering their phone. Okay, okay but what seat point. are you sitting in? What's the number of your seat? Okay, I'm in my jump seat right now. Okay. At three R. Okay, you're the flight attendant? 
sir, did you say you're the flight attendant? Hello? Yes, hello? What is your name? You're going to have to speak up. I can't hear you. Sure. What is your name? Okay, my name is Betty Ong. I'm number three on flight 11. Okay. And the cockpit is not answering their phone. And there's somebody staffed in business class, and there's we can't breathe in business class. Somebody's got mace or something. Can you describe the person that you said someone is what in business class? Um, I'm, I'm sitting in the back. Somebody's coming back from business. If you can hold on for one second, sure. they're coming back. Number one is, got stabbed. Uh, our person is stabbed. Um, nobody knows who stabbed who, and we, we can't even get up to business class right now because nobody can breathe. Uh, our number one is, is stabbed right now. Okay. And, oh, and our number five, our first class passengers, our uh, first class uh, galley flight attendant, and our purser is stabbed. And we can't get the cockpit. The door won't open. Yeah, I'm taking down all the information. We're also, um, you know, of course, recording this. Um, at this point... This is operations. What flight number are we talking about? Flight 12. Flight 12. Okay, I'm no, going to... on flight 11 right now. This is flight 11. It's flight 11. I'm sorry, Nitty. Boston to Los Angeles. Yes. Our number one has been stabbed, and our five has been stabbed. On the morning of September 11, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world. Overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine, and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground, hitting the Pentagon in the budget analyst office where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10th, 2001. Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The pundits knew within hours. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day. Terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. And the evidence literally fell into the FBI's lap. That a hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. But for some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on American soil in history. That investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. It failed to mention the existence of WTC-7, Able Danger, P-TECH, Sibel Edmonds, OBL and the CIA, and the drills of hijacked aircraft being flown into buildings that were being simulated at the precise same time that those events were actually happening. It was lied to by the Pentagon, the CIA, the Bush administration, and as for Bush and Cheney, well, no one knows what they told it because they testified in secret, off the record, not under oath, and behind closed doors. It didn't bother to look at who funded the attacks because that question is ultimately of little practical significance. 
Still, the 9-11 Commission did brilliantly answering all of the questions the public had, except most of the victim's family members' questions, and pinned blame on all the people responsible, although no one so much as lost their job, determining the attacks were failure of imagination because... Nobody in our government, at least, and I don't think the prior government could envision flying airplanes into buildings. Except the Pentagon, FEMA, NORAD, and the NRO. The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on Able Danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. The SEC destroyed their records on the investigation into the insider trading before the attacks, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of routine record keeping. NIST has classified the data that they used for their model of WTC7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation of 9-11 should be kept secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. This man never existed, nor is anything he had to say worthy of your attention, and if you say otherwise, you are a paranoid conspiracy theorist and deserve to be shunned by all of humanity. Likewise him, 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 and her. And her, and her, and him. Osama bin Laden lived in a cave fortress in the hills of Afghanistan, but somehow got away. Then he was hiding out in Tora Bora, but somehow got away. Then he lived in Abbottabad for years, taunting the most comprehensive intelligence dragnet employing the most sophisticated technology in the history of the world for a decade, releasing video after video with complete impunity and getting younger and younger as he did so, before finally being found in a daring SEAL team raid which wasn't recorded on video, in which he didn't resist or use his wife as a human shield, and in which these crack special forces operatives panicked and killed this unarmed man, supposedly the best source of intelligence about those dastardly terrorists on the entire planet. Then they dumped his body in the ocean before telling anyone about it. Then a couple dozen of that team's members died in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan. This is the story of 9-11, brought to you by the media. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me and he said, sir, you got to come in. You got to come in and talk to me a second. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off. 1942, the feds seized the assets of an American bank funding the Third Reich during World War II under the Trading with the Enemy Act. The bank's director, Prescott Bush, 1963. A prominent House Republican spoke at an oil industry event in Dallas on the eve of JFK's assassination. He later called in a false tip to the FBI. To this day, he can't recall any of this happening or even where he was. His name? George Herbert Walker Bush. 1981. The night before, John Hinckley shot President Reagan. Hinckley's brother, Scott, was supposed to have dinner with a close friend. Who was it? Neil Bush. 2001 on 9-11. Stratasec handled security for the World Trade Center, Dallas Airport, and United Airlines. Who served seven years on their board of directors? Marvin Bush. That is quite a family bush. I mean tree. Of Iran. Which told you the According to some estimates, we cannot track $2.3 trillion in transactions. A radical plan for American military domination first surfaced during the administration of George H.W. Bush. In 1992, Paul Wolfowitz, working in the Department of Defense, 
was asked to write the first draft of a new national security strategy, a document entitled the Defense Planning Guidance, and to secure access to vital resources, especially Persian Gulf oil. In 2000, they would craft yet another proposed national security strategy, calling itself the Project for the New American Century. In their defining document, written in September of 2000, a full year before 9-11, they acknowledged that the process of transformation, even if it brings revolutionary change, is likely to be a long one. Absent, in their own chilling words, some catastrophic and catalyzing event, like a new Pearl Harbor.